With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jim Harbaugh made a decision that upends the sport, and we got to talk about it. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, Kinfolk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we got to do an emergency podcast about Jim Harbaugh and his decision that is going to upend the sport. And I say emergency podcast, but, you know, it doesn't really have the same sort of urgency because we kind of been thinking that this is the way it was going to go for Jim Harbaugh for some time. And where did it go? All the way to Los Angeles, where he will be the new head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers going back to the NFL for the first time in a decade. But I want to take a moment here to just appreciate what Jim Harbaugh has done as a college football coach, in particular, the last nine years at the University of Michigan. Now, he will leave the University of Michigan having put the place back together, right? And in a way in which Michigan fans will love and understand, they are going out 15 and 0 national champs. I don't know that we were thinking about Michigan winning a national championship even three years ago, let alone this year. We always thought that perhaps it would have been Ohio State coming back or Wisconsin finding a way through. Continue to go down that line of what does Clemson look like? And all the while, Michigan has outperformed its opponents with what has been an inferior recruiting class from year to year. Like That's one of the things that I think is really worth talking about when we talk about Jim Harbaugh's He's been able to take players that I, others, recruiting analysts and the like, don't think are that good and turn them into a team that is greater than the sum of its parts. And he's done that for three consecutive years now, again, culminating in this national championship. He finishes 86 to 25 all time as head coach at Michigan. That makes him one of the four. Well, yeah, man, he's got. He's won the fourth most games of any team or uh, any coach at Michigan, including Bo Schimbeckler, Fielding Yost, and Lloyd Carr. That's a wild list to be a part of. And also take into account here, there have only been eight head coaches at Michigan over the last 70 years, right? So it's not a job that comes open very often. And without, you know, some shade to, to Brady Hogan, some shade to Rich Rod, you do a pretty good job there. You win a bunch of football games and Jim Harbaugh proved that, yeah, you can get off to a rocky start, even go two and four in the play year in 2020 and bounce back from that. And I think that is where we get to see what Jim Harbaugh and that experience really does at every stop he's had, right? Because 
It is a man that was coming to Michigan after having played in BC or played having coached in a BCS title game at Stanford, which is a hard place to win football games. Same thing at San Diego Pioneer League, where they don't give athletic scholarships, and went on to be a head coach at 49ers and coached that team to three consecutive NFC championship game appearances before taking this job at Michigan. Uh, then gets to Michigan, understand that Ohio State runs the Big Ten. Ohio State had run roughshod over the University of Michigan for the better part of 10 years and won a college football playoff national championship all while. We're all looking at Michigan going, are you going to figure this out, Jim Harbaugh? Uh, what, what is it going to take? And after that 2020 season, he really did change the culture and change the personnel and the staff you know, around him nearly every year. I mean, remember this. After 2020, he had flirted with going to the NFL, right? We always thought that was going to be a way out because it just wasn't working at Michigan at the time. He ate this ridiculous incentive-laden contract that didn't pay him what he was worth. And then he had Josh Gaddis on staff, along with Mike McDonald on staff. And those guys helped him turn the 2021 team into the kind that not only could beat Ohio State, but could win a Big Ten title and then make the college football playoff with Cade McNamara at quarterback. He developed a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line with offensive line coach Sharon Moore. And then brought, uh, Josh Gaddis won the Broyles Award in 2021. They ran it back after losing Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald, who's defense coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, and also probably in line for a head coaching job himself, right? You change over to Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter. And I'm thinking, you're losing a lot, man. Not only are you losing a lot, we all know what your recruiting is like. We all know what you have to get out of Blake Corum. You have to get out of Roman Wilson. You have to get out of Cornelius Johnson, Will Johnson, Mike Sandristel to go make this work. And that's exactly what they did. They ran it back in 2022, right? They win a Big Ten title. They beat Ohio State. They make the college football playoff. They get embarrassed by a Texas Christian. In that particular game, J.J. McCarthy showed us the reason why we didn't really expect him to be the kind of guy that can lead a team to a national championship. And then more adversity. A lot of this that they brought on themselves, admittedly. But you lose Matt Weiss. You elevate Sharon Moore. You got a head coach that's being forced to miss six games due to suspensions, or I should say voluntary suspensions in the first three games of the season to basically satisfy the NCAA. And then another three games to satisfy the Big Ten. And you also lost Jerron Moore for a few of those games, too, as your play caller. And yet and still, those players, led by J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Mike Shanra still, Junior Colson, and the like, they all decided, no, we're just going to go win. We don't care what you got to say about our sign-stealing scandal. Connor Stallions probably gets a hat tip here. We don't care what you got to say about our head coach being a little bit eccentric. We don't care that our interim head coach is going to cuss on national television that he's so excited to beat Penn State. We're going to continue to show up, and we're going to do what we know how to do, which is win football games. At every step of the way, they wanted to be embraced. Like, I can't, can't believe Jim Harbaugh said it, but it was true. He said, Michigan should be America's team. And I'm thinking, dog, nah, man. Like, that's just not how everybody else is getting down, except the University of Michigan. And they carry that all the way through to a win against Iowa, right? Then they get into the playoff. They get that dramatic overtime win against Nick Saban, which means Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are the last team to beat Nick Saban in Alabama. And then 
They not only go win the national championship over Washington and Kalen DeBoer, they beat the guy that ended up being the guy to take over at Alabama. It could not go better for you if you were Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines who are in high cotton, right? And they're not only in high cotton because of winning the national championship, but they actually got some pieces coming back in 2024 that ought to make them worthwhile and good. But can they can they repeat as the national champs? We need to get into that. But I also want to say that Michigan did everything they could to try to, to try to keep Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. Like Ward Manuel was telling anybody that would listen, I'm trying to get him to sign this contract. I really am. I'm trying to get him to sign this contract, and I'm trying to let you all know that I'm telling him, we have $125 million on the table. Please take it from us. They even had tried to come up with a contract that was going to have incentives and clauses in there that basically exonerated him of any wrongdoing uh, on their behalf if the NCAA came down with some punishment for Michigan, right? This is on the same day that the Los Angeles Chargers apparently came up with a deal that Jim Harbaugh just could not turn down. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, just after the news had broken, so we don't know what the numbers are, the years, the money involved, and what it took to get Jim Harbaugh to leave Ann Arbor, to move to Los Angeles, to take over that particular franchise. But I, I got to believe that it was a hell of a lot better than what Michigan could match. And, and, you know, full credit to Michigan on this, right? Because they could have fumbled this. They could have just said what they had done in 2020. We'll let you go. We'll give you this contract that isn't really worth much of anything, and we won't fight to keep you. But they are fighting to keep him because they understand not only did they find a guy who could lead them back to the promised land, Jim Harbaugh is the perfect guy for Michigan. Not just because of that whole Michigan man thing, but I don't know of another head coach that could galvanize his program the way that Jim Harbaugh was able to galvanize the Michigan Wolverines, given all that they had to overcome. Again, a lot of this was self-inflicted. But they beat Ohio State. They beat Penn State. They beat Iowa. They beat Bama. And they beat Washington. However they did it is how they did it. And they did it with a head coach who didn't coach six games of a 15-win season. That's pretty outstanding when you talk about building a culture that people believe in and that functions even when you were in your living room or you're holding the down markers at your kids' peewee games while they're out there fighting for their lives in the big house. Like, it's tremendous what Michigan was able to do. But we all knew that this day was probably coming sooner rather than later for Jim Harbaugh, who really, really wants to coach in the NFL. And also really, really wants to coach in the NFL because I think he genuinely wants the love and respect of his parents and his brother. Now, not to say that he doesn't, right? I think Jack Harbaugh loves his kids. I think John Harbaugh loves his brother. But I could tell when Jim got up there and they're asking about winning the national championship, the first thing he says is, well, now they're going to let me sit at the adult's table. I don't have to sit at the kid's table anymore. My dad won a national championship at Western Kentucky. My brother won the Super Bowl over my dead body. Now I got a national championship. Now they will let me sit at the table and have grown folks conversation. And that hit me right here because I understand what that's like, man. Like, I like to think that I got a pretty good gig. I like to think that I'm doing pretty well for myself. My sister runs a hospital. My brother-in-law works for the NSA. He got a PhD in computer science from Purdue. I don't really rate at the dinner table. You know what I'm saying? So I understand wanting to get back into this, right? You No, no, let me get back to the NFL. Let me see if I can get on par with my brother who 
basically, not basically, he is two games away from winning a second Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. So Jim need to get back there quick, fast, and in a hurry. Now, it is also a level for which he has had tremendous success, right? I mentioned that he coached a team to three consecutive NFC championship appearances, also at a time when so much has changed since the last time that Jim Harbaugh was head coach in the National Football League, not to mention, you know, Colin Kaepernick was the last quarterback for Jim Harbaugh on those teams. It's been that long ago. But I think as we get to find out what this means for the Chargers, and I'm sure that Dave Hellman and the NFL pod are going to do a lot on that. If you don't subscribe to the NFL on Fox's pod, you should. I'm sure they're going to have a lot to say about what this means for them. I want to get back to Michigan just for a little bit because what Jim Harbaugh was able to build also recognizes the strength and the weakness of my sport, of our sport. You have to build the program around the attitude and the traits of the head coach. It will be him. That's what it's going to be. It will be on his shoulders, which is to say if it works, it's because he's at the center of it. And at Michigan, that's truer than almost anywhere else. I think this was true of Urban Meyer when he was at Ohio State. I know it's true of Nick Saban when he's at Alabama, right? And you could see how it worked for LSU that one year, 2019, for Ed Orgeron. But when I talk about building a program that is greater than the sum of its parts, that's all Jim Harbaugh, right? He understood what he needed from his coaches. He understood what he needed from recruiting. So they didn't really chase the number one recruiting class in the country because they didn't need to. They were stellar on the offensive and defensive line. They played complementary football the way that people talk about. They ran the ball with authority. They played outstanding stifling defense. And they tried to keep the scoring down, right? That's how they win. I think you need to try to do as much as you can to keep that culture intact while continuing to build on it. And 37-year-old Sharon Moore gives you the best opportunity to do that. Okay? That's, that's the most important thing Ward Manuel can do right now. You need to just go ahead and hit the button that says Sharon Moore will be the next head coach at the University of Michigan for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is, since Jim Harbaugh made this decision, all of the players at the national championship Wolverines who could return in 2024 now have a 30-day pass to enter the transfer portal. And I got to tell you, the longer you wait on this, the more that you're going to get pillaged. Take a look at what's happening at Alabama. Take a look at what's happening at Washington, Arizona, even San Jose State, right? When you have these sorts of changes at head coach this late in the cycle that also do not coincide with the transfer portal being open, you're at a disadvantage. You have to absolutely recruit the guys that are already on campus. And the best way to do that is by elevating the guy that you know they all want to follow and the guy that is proven he can win you football games. Like, he's the head coach for the wins, one of which they got to have against Penn State, another of which they got to have against Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's everybody understands here. I also don't think that it's a small thing, even though Sharon Moore might, that he's going to be the first black head coach at the University of Michigan. That 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 would mean a tremendous amount to me. Uh, I I can't tell you what that would mean because I ain't seen it yet. And I haven't wanted to act as if it's a foregone conclusion because as much as we want this to be true and we think that he's the most obvious candidate, again, you don't get to thumb your nose at that, man. That's huge because the more first we have like this, the less y'all got to talk about it, honestly. That's what it's going to take. And when you take a look at some of the players that have come through the University of Michigan and what they mean to that program, having a man like Sharon Moore not only lead your program, but perhaps get you back to repeating as national champ goes a tremendously long way, especially with Detroit being right there 
which is also a tremendously black community, right? So I'm already there. I'm already there with Sharon Moore being your head coach. Also means that you probably get an opportunity to keep a guy like Ben Herbert, who is the strength and conditioning coach at Michigan. And my buddy, Michael Cohen, who covers the Big Ten for Fox, wrote a really great piece earlier this year that I encourage you to read about Ben Herbert and just how integral he was to this turnaround that Jim Harbaugh was able to institute. Every major football coach you've ever heard of swears by his strength coach. Every single one. Mickey Marotti over at Ohio State. Tommy Moffitt when he was at LSU. I mean, I can keep going down the list here. Scott Cochran when he was that guy at Alabama. Everybody's got a guy for which they can depend on to not only police the program at times when, you know, coaches can't, or I should say, the on-the-field assistant, uh, assistants and the head coach can't be around the program, but also is what you want when you're talking about grit, toughness, and the ability to play. Now, I wanted to be a strength coach, so I pay attention to these things a little bit differently than most. I don't think about guys being bigger, faster, stronger so much as I say, did you have a bunch of injuries? And if you had a bunch of injuries, are they the same variety? Are they the same kind? Because that means that there's a flaw in your strength and conditioning, meaning your science is wrong. Your science is wrong, and you're getting kids hurt. They can't play if they're hurt. Not only was Ben Herbert great at keeping those guys healthy, remember, he brought Blake Corum back from that ACL tear, right? And he was the guy that they needed in the crunch time, and he set the all-time career rushing TD record for Michigan. He's healthy. Donovan Edwards, healthy. J.J. McCarthy, healthy. That offensive line was so deep that they could go to whatever they wanted to, right? He was able to get guys back into shape and get guys back onto the football field. I also think that he's going to do a lot about keeping your continuity, right? Because when you're going into winter programming right now, like winter training is right now. Guys are going through it. You need your strength coach here almost more than you need him at any other time in the year, especially as you got new uh, recruits. You have transferred portal kids. You have early enrollees, guys that are learning what the program is about from the strength coach. You got to be able to try to keep that guy. That's a tremendous amount that you're going to need. The last part about this that I think is worth talking about at this moment is just what this means for the sport. It's a really interesting conversation to have, but if you ask the question now, who is the best head coach in all of college football, you probably land on Kirby Smart pretty quick. After that, you got to go down to Dabo Sweeney, and there are people that still don't understand Dabo Sweeney hadn't been the Dabo Sweeney of the last few years, and we don't know if he still got it like that, right? We need to see it. Is it Mike Norvell at Florida State, right, given what he was able to do with that regular season? How long before you get to Kalen DeBoer or Ryan Day or even Lincoln Riley or Dan Lanning, right? It's kind of wide open and as far as Kirby Smart and everybody else, but some things change, more things stay, uh, stay the same. Nick Saban was who Kirby Smart is now for a year, right? I also think that we're going to have this conversation because we're going to see a 12-team playoff for the first time ever. 155 years we've been playing college football. This is the first time we're actually going to have like a for real double-digit team bracket to try to find out who the best team is in all the land. Every other major sport got uh, these brackets, but apparently we're just late to the party. That's going to have a lot to do with who we think is good, right? And I also think that's not a foregone conclusion that even if you were able to keep both Sharon Moore and Ben Herbert and all the guys you expected to come back on that Michigan team, that they're going to be good in 2024 because the schedule is wildly different 
you're welcoming in new opponents, UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon. You're going to have a schedule that is loaded, quiet as it is kept, and it ain't going to be quiet for very long. Michigan got Fresno State, got Texas on the schedule, among others, right? Their non-con this year is ridiculous. They got a rematch for Washington coming in October. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they got a gauntlet run that's coming up. So you need to do everything you can to try to put them in a position to not forget repeating as national champs. Just try to win the Big Ten. That's going to be the task here. You see what Ohio State has been doing? Loaded for bear. They went into the portal and they brought out some studs. All because of what Michigan has been able to do over the past three years. And now, the man that was leading them, the man that had that dramatic turnaround is gone. So if you are a Michigan fan, this is the time when you need to absolutely circle the wagons and figure out what it's going to be because we're in a new college football, baby. We're in a new era. We've got we've lost Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban in the last three weeks from the sport. If you think that we're not going to see some change, you were in for a rude awakening. I, for one, love me some chaos. Love me some change. I like it when stuff is upended. I do my best work when we're in the middle of chaos. It's my favorite. Favorite time, right? I am on equal footing with everybody else. And I got to tell you, if I'm a college football coach and I'm on equal footing with Michigan, I feel pretty good about my chances. All right. That is going to do it for this episode, or emergency pod, of the number one college football show. We will be back Thursday with our regularly scheduled programming. Our number one college football show leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Production assistants Kiara Santana and Jim Cunningham put the special in our special team. Social producer Javion Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. I got Tyler in here directing for me today. This is sending in the signal. Senior, produ- sorry, senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from sideline and play snaps on my clap. We'll see y'all on Thursday. Till then, stay low. Keep those feet driving. Deuce.